Welcome to the Well Ministry Podcast, where we want to help you understand the Bible. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Nathan Walter. So let's begin with Matthew 7, judging others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers." Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So chapter 7, I think there's a lot going on here, and it might seem like it's not connected, but this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, so he's kind of bringing it all home, kind of saying some things he said before, but being a little bit more specific, and he's really... um, all of these things do go together, even though they might seem like they might not, might not, and we'll get into that. But we'll start with the very beginning. It says, do not judge or you'll be judged, or judge not that you not, might not be judged. And most of us have heard this phrase or something similar. Um, but even though we know this phrase, judge not, lest you be judged, um, if we're honest, it's probably the most, dis- most disregarded <laughs> um, thing that Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, right? Or, or sometimes we twist it for our own intentions, and I'll, and I'll kind of go over that. Because we often hear or say to others, you're being judgmental. That's when we use that. Judge not, lest, lest you be judged. You're being judgmental. And, and as a Christian, 
Um, it, I mean, we are judgmental, not Christians, people, right? Christians too, because we are people. But it, it's often twisted to mean um, you can't make good judgment, right? It's twisted to mean we can't make judgments on things. We're not to make any decisions about, and trust me, if, if, I'm, if you're not liking what I'm saying, just stick with me. We're not to make any decisions about who people are, and we're not to condemn anything people do. That's kind of where this, where this has gone, to where it's like, well, who are we to say? Who am I to say? I, who am I to say if someone is following Christ or not? If someone says they are, they are, right? And, and I'll, I make no argument because they've said it. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to make a judgment call on that, okay? But if we look in the same text, Jesus is continuously talking, and then later, in the same text, he says, beware of false prophets. Be wary of these people. They come dressed in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We are to be wary of these people. So how do these things go together? And, and this is important because right now, we, we, this is what we do in the church. We don't, we're not wary of ravenous wolves because we don't want to make a judgment call on anyone's behavior or what they're doing. Because honestly, let's be real, that's the worst to be called judgmental. If you're a Christian and someone says you're being judgmental, anything you were saying, you have to immediately shut up because sin is pouring from your mouth. And all of a sudden, you are being judged for being judgmental, right? It like just ends the conversation. Yeah, you're saying whatever, and someone's like, you're being judgmental, and you're like, oh, no, how do I proceed from here, right? And, and sometimes, sometimes we are being judgmental, and sometimes you're just like saying, man, I saw something I didn't like, and they're like, you're being judgmental, and you're like, well, okay, let, let, let's have a conversation about this, right? Um, but if we are to be watchful, if we're to be wary, we have to turn what we see into action, right? I mean, what's the point of being wary if you don't put it into action, if there are guards on the gate of a fortress and you see someone scaling the walls in black with weapons on their back, you're not going to be like, well, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're making their way home. They came from a funeral, thus they're wearing black. They thought they'd be attacked, thus they have weapons. They're peaceful citizens scaling the wall because the gate is closed, obviously, on their way home. I'm not going to make a judgment call that guard is going to die the next day, right? I mean, that, you're, he's not doing his job. He's not being wary. He is not on the lookout uh, for, for things or people who have come to kill, steal, and destroy. So how does this fit? How are we to judge? Jesus says, and this is another thing that makes this kind of weird because he says, don't judge, but then he says, you'll know them by their fruit. Be wary of these people. You'll know them by their fruit. So we are supposed to judge their fruit, right? We are to make judgment calls on the fruit that we're seeing, right? Because we don't just see bad fruit and say, oh, that, that's bad fruit. Man, that, that person develops bad fruit, but they, they, their intentions aren't bad. They're obviously still a follower of God. They said they were, right? They just are a follower of God who produces only bad fruit, right? There has to be some judgment in this, right? Uh, we have to look at this because if we, I mean, it can be kind of confusing 
But Jesus says we are to look at the fruit that people are producing. And in this example that Jesus is giving, he is speaking of people within the church. That we are to look at what people within the church are doing, especially church leaders. And this is vital, vital. Jesus tells us this for a reason. Because this is how we are led astray. When we aren't looking at the fruit of those whom we follow. Now, when you're looking at the fruit of those who follow, I'm talking about everyone but me. <laughs> Disregard. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's how it works. Look at the fruit of those whom we follow. Uh, and often, we've seen this many times. I mean, watch, watch the news. Often when we see the fruit, bad fruit, we as the flock make excuses for the fruit, even if we consistently see the same fruit. We'll make excuses for them. I recently read a book about the church and this trend we're seeing of leaders failing. And in this book, when they interviewed the various staff members of various churches, they found that most of them saw things they didn't like that weren't consistent with biblical teaching, but they often made excuses for them like, well, he's been really busy. He's got a lot on his plate. He's under a lot of stress. That's why they're producing this fruit. That's why they're acting that way. That's why they're making bad decisions. That's why they're not being consistent with the word of God. And so we make excuses for it. I mean, I, I, not to call out people by name, but to call out people. No, um, we, we see in the news, like I saw, you know, this pastor who went into a, a woman's room um, after a conference, and their excuse for why he did this was he's been under a lot of stress, and so he takes Xanax, and then he had some drinks after he had Xanax, and so he was totally out of it, and so that's why he wandered in the girl's room, and I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's go back to point one. Your excuse was that he was taking Xanax and drinking at the same time? Because who doesn't know what that does, right? Who doesn't know what that does? I know all you little kids don't. Like, uh, when you're giving medication, there's a thing on it that says, don't drink. Don't drink with this. Don't drive with this. Don't do whatever with this, right? But it's so funny that as the church, that was a valid excuse. Oh, he was taking multiple things at a time. That's why he wandered into the girl's room. I mean, who hasn't done it? Who hasn't done it? That's not a lot of hands. <laughs> now I see why it was okay. Everyone's like, well, you know, I mean... <laughs> Goodness gracious, never going to ask for hands again. Um, but seriously, seriously, or, or we say, well, you know, I'm no better. I, I make mistakes too, and we do. But who am I to judge? Now, there is such a thing as mercy, grace, and compassion, which we'll get into. There's a reason I'm starting the conversation here, because we're going to end it somewhere else. But when we're not on guard... When we are not on guard, the body of Christ falls apart because it is not being protected. We've let the enemy in at the gate, and eventually we followed them. And this just doesn't come just for pastors, because I know we all picture pastors, right? But this can be worship leaders. This can be the people who are teaching kids. This can be someone that we're, that's in the church. Leaders in the church aren't just people who are assigned leaders. It's people that, that you look up to. People that you look up to. There are kids in this room that might look up to some of these people, and they don't even know that they look up to them, but they're looking to them, looking at their behaviors to see how should I act, right? 
And so that's why we are all held accountable for things. And, and it's not, we're holding each other accountable and we're making judgment calls, not so that we can place scorn on someone, okay? But to bring them back. You have to make judgment calls. You have to see the fruit so that you can tend to the tree. Not, because there's going to be a time when Jesus says they will cast the, those trees into the fire. Okay? But in the meantime, we're pruning. Okay? And so when we're not on guard, the body of Christ falls apart because it's not being protected. And, and sometimes we read this and it's talking about prophets. And so we're thinking, oh, they're talking about prophets. They're talking about people who prophesy. We're not... But they're talking about uh, prophets at the time were people like a pastor, a leader at the tabernacle. Um, so all these people I'm talking about. And leaders like this, like I said, begin as a part of the body that's raised up to lead in how to follow Jesus. And if they aren't following Jesus and you raise them up to lead other people to Jesus, that's not a good idea. I'll be honest, I am very, 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 very slow for not uh, I'm very, very slow at raising people into leadership. I've been chastised for it because I don't, I don't do it fast enough, but I want to be sure because, because you need to know who people are. Because um, I, and going, going to many churches, being, being a, um, the son of a pastor, you know, I've been to churches where I just see someone and they're new and all of a sudden they're up leading because some people who go to church to church to church, if we're Christians for a long time, you've probably known people like this, go church to church to church and immediately begin to work their way into leadership and then they're in leadership and like, you're like, this person's been here a month. You know? And it's not like a way of like, this person's been here a month. I should be in leadership. I've been here for two months. It's more of like, it's more of like some people, Christians especially, who go from church to church are really skilled at knowing what to do to be moved into certain positions. And so... Seeing this throughout my life, my life, I'm very wary because it's a huge responsibility. Because if I raise someone up and people follow them and, and that person leads those people astray, whose fault is it? It's mine. It's my fault. And so I'm very slow to do this. So as a church, we have to be on our guard. If you hear a speaker online who says something that is contrary to the Bible or seems off, usually the Holy Spirit in us is telling us, oh, that sounds weird. Look into it. And sometimes, like, honestly, you know, I, I, I'm a preacher. I speak. Sometimes I talk. I mean, I go home, and I'm just like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. I don't know. Like, not like, mostly about jokes I say. I'm just, but, but there's always something like, oh, you know, man, I wish I had fleshed that because now I can see how that might have been misinterpreted. And, and so I know that it happens, and sometimes they'll take a snippet and a pastor will be like, well, you needed to see the context. That's not what happened. Mercy and grace and compassion. But we have to make biblical judgment calls about maybe I should not be listening to this person anymore. Okay? We are to look at the fruit. Jesus tells us to. But he also says, judge not, lest ye be judged. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, most of our judgment falls on those who are unsaved. But what we see is we see pastors fail and all the church are like, well, forgive them. Let them stay in place. And first of all, the other thing I see with pastors, sorry, there's a lot of like, is they say, get them out. And they scorn them and kick them out of the church and no one talks to them and they are on their own. And I don't think that's what you do either. 
they've made a mistake. If they repent, you love on them to restore them to, to Christ, not necessarily to restore them to be the lead pastor of the church, but stay in relationship with them. But what I see happening is we show so, so much mercy and grace to church leadership, but then no mercy and grace to people who are not saved. We walk around and look at what they do and like, look at what they're wearing. Look at the way that, the way that guy's talking. Look at their behavior. And we judge. And we judge those who, who are unsaved. Or sometimes we judge those who are infants in their walk with Christ. We, we judge them by the way they're dressed. Um, and and we, we might look at someone the way they're dressed and say, that person is promiscuous. Or that person's going to end up in jail. We hear the way someone speaks and think, that person's trash. We make judgments based on their family situations or the cars they drive, the friends they keep. And we make judgment calls, not on what they're doing, but we make judgment calls on their worth based on what we see that we do not like. We put a value on them and determine their worth. And then we begin to treat people based on the worth that we have assigned them based on the things that we don't like. And perhaps God doesn't like it. Maybe God, I mean, it's very, if we see something that we don't like that's sinful, yeah, it's probably true. It is true. God doesn't like it. God doesn't like the sin. But he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You, you might look at some of the way they're dressed and think that person, because we pick what sins we're going to judge for. See the way someone's dressed, you say that person is sexually promiscuous. They're in sexual sin. But at some point in our life, you may have looked at porn or had premarital sex. And so you're, you've been in sexual sin, but, but now you're not. Or maybe it's just hidden. And then we, we see their current sin and we weigh the scales against them, though we might have been guilty of the same sin. I, honestly, I've, I found an issue. It's so funny how this works. Like I was a druggie. I, I did drugs for a very long time. It was very hard to get out of it. I got out of it. I got redeemed. And you know who, there was a time in my life, you know how I had the least patience for druggies. I was like, you idiot. Just stop doing it. Just stop. Just stop doing it. I did it. Sometimes we have that kind of, that kind of um, attitude. We're like, I did it. You can do it. Just do it. You know? But so many of us were lost for so long. Lost for so long. And then when we're found, we somehow forget who we were and that it's by God's grace alone that we are who we are today, by God's grace alone. God is the only judge. He declares what is right and wrong, and by his goodness and grace, he's revealed to us his standard. And this judge led with mercy and grace and compassion. When we are to be judged by God, I can guarantee that everyone here wants him to lead with mercy and grace and compassion rather than a stiff hand, right? Yet we often judge others with a stiff hand. Here's the thing. My standard for living now is not what it was when I was not saved. And it's not even the same as it was when I was first saved. The way that I live my life now is nothing like when I was unsaved. And it's not like what it was when I was first saved because I've grown, right? We're consecrated. We're set apart as holy, but not, not based on anything that we've done other than accept the mercy and grace afforded us through Christ. Yet, there's a sanctification process. 
by which we become more Christ-like. As we follow Christ and we grow closer to him, as we grow to love his law, our standard of living changes. Our views of morality change. Our ideas of modesty change. Our views of what is proper to say and what is proper to think changes. Our ideas change. We become new in Christ. We become more like him. He makes us new at salvation, but then there's this continuous renewal process that shapes our hearts and our minds and into his. It's an amazing thing. And yet we cannot look at those who don't know him, who do not know his law, who haven't been renewed in heart, mind, body, and spirit, and expect the same of them. We can't. We can't look at baby Christians and expect the same of them. They're still learning. They must be taught. And if we're being honest, I wrote that a lot today in the sermon, if we're being honest, are Christians of today being taught the ways of God? in the church? Are they learning his word? Are they being taught how to draw close? Are they being taught how to enter his presence? Are they being taught how to pray? Are they being taught how to worship? We do some things here that aren't normal. Like we, we sit and we pray for one of our services. Last week, we did a worship service where we worshiped and prayed, and it was probably uncomfortable. And sometimes, I, and it always happens where visitors come, and you're like, oh, they're not coming back. But, but this is the thing. As a church, like, are we not supposed to teach people how to pray? Are we not supposed to teach people how to worship? Is it, is it not as important as the word to learn how to speak to God, to learn how to, how to develop relationship with him, to learn how to come before his throne? And are these things being taught in church? Are they? Are we learning his word? Are we learning what it means? Are we delving deep? Or are we just getting something for the day to go home and feel good? And so we have to, I feel like we have to be even more patient with new Christians because, because of course they don't know. Of course they don't know how they're supposed to live their lives because it's not being taught. We should have an extra dose of mercy and compassion for the young Christians today who cannot find God in his own house. They cannot find God in his own house. They come and they leave and say, that's no different from anywhere else. That is not to say that we are not individually responsible for our own growth. We are. But it is the blind leading the blind. And it's because we've allowed false prophets and false teachers to lead the people of God, and they're leading them astray. I've talked to a lot of pastors, and I just want to tell you now, if you're, if you're thinking of, of being a pastor... If being a pastor is a career choice, then get out of the ministry. It is not a career. You, you, can, sit, you can sit with pastors just like, and not, and not everybody, please. There's, there's so many good pastors. There's so many good pastors. There's so many good Christians, okay? But I've, I've sat in rooms where people talk about, oh, I'm going to move this place because it'll further my career, and there's more people there, and I make money and then I'll go here and I'll do this and 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 I'm just like you're going to you're going to leave the you're going to leave your flock to make more money and you're going to leave that flock to to make more money and get more influence and like what what are we doing maybe God told you to do that that's fine but that's not what I'm hearing in the conversations and I'm just like man we're getting this so wrong we're getting this so wrong and this is what's happening. I think, I think church leaders are making decisions based on furthering their career over furthering the kingdom of God. Jesus' career didn't last very long. 
He didn't make a lot of money. He, didn't, he did go places. He's very, very popular. But not in his time. And we see this come to pass time and time again. And as the church, we have to take this log out of our own eye before we begin to remove the specks from others. Okay? And one of the first logs is believing we're holy by our own account. And what we do, we, we, start, we start to forget the mercy and grace and compassion shown us. And we start, to, we start to really get into the sanctification process, which is awesome. We should. And be like, man, this is awesome, trying to be holy like Jesus. But it causes us sometimes to cast our pearls before swine. Pearls are of great value, obviously. Holiness is of great value. Swine were considered unclean. Dogs were not pets. They were wild. They ate trash. They were feral. Like, no one was like, oh, puppy. Like, they weren't good things, okay? And so that's what's happening here when he, when he says this about the, the dogs and the pigs. Um, they're talking about unclean things. And un unclean things like swine and dogs were often used as metaphors for Gentiles, people who are not the people of God, what we would call today unbelievers. And we keep trying to teach holiness to unbelievers, that's what's happening. We're trying to teach holiness to unbelievers. That's what we lead with. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be wearing that. You shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be acting like that. This is what you should be doing. We're trying to tell people this is how you should be holy. This is how you can be more like Jesus, but they're unbelievers, okay? And we're trying to cast our pearls before swine. It kind of rings the wrong way, doesn't it? But we're trying to take this thing of great value and present it to those who do not understand. I don't know how many times as a teenager I came across like some holy Christian saying something to me, to my face or behind my back, or about the clothes I was wearing, the things I was saying, the music I was listening to, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. And I'll be honest, the things I was doing were wrong. But I had not yet accepted redemption by the blood of the lamb. I didn't have a passion for the word of God. I wasn't trying to be more like him. So what did it do? It made me turn on them. It made me turn on them. And that's what it says. It says, do not cast your pearls before swine or they will turn on you and tear you to pieces. And this is what's happening. It's just this useless endeavor. We're, we, we've started, we try to witness by pointing out what's wrong with people. Or what's wrong with the world? When God hasn't lifted the veil for them to see. I don't know how many, I mean, how many times have you seen someone out there with like a sign and they're yelling out stuff, you know, and they're, and they're just so angry and you're just like, man, these people don't understand what you're, what you're even talking about. They don't even know what you're talking about. We're, we're leading with the wrong things. We're, stop, we're like pointing things out to a blind man. Do you see that? You see that? You see that? No, they don't, they don't see it. And that's why the world has begun to turn and attack us and tear us to pieces. Because we're trying, we because all of our gripes are about holiness. And some, some guys, some will never hear the word. Some will never accept the truth. Some will never accept God. And some of these people more and more these days make a mockery of him. And, and so what are we to do then? What, what are we to do? How do we reach these people? I mean, I, I mean, there's obvious answers. 
Are, are, we, are we to be silent? Is that what I'm saying? Like, what, what am I saying? We've gone about witnessing in the wrong way. We cannot lead people who do, who do not understand holiness in holiness. We have to lead them to the one who's holy. Right? Now, once, once they're redeemed and saved and in the church and they have a desire, because let's be honest, there's people in the church that don't have that desire. We can lead them in holiness. But God, but we start trying to lead by changing people's behavior patterns. And this is what happened when I went to youth. There were always sermons on what I needed to do to change my behavior pattern, but not telling me anything about God. And so I went to church for years. I came out and didn't know anything about God. I just knew behavior patterns I needed to change. And, let's, and honestly, sometimes we fit things in we don't personally like into the behaviors that people need to change, right? Don't wear polka dots, y'all. You know? It's just, it's just something that, that constantly, constantly, constantly happens. We're trying to teach people befi- to find before they're even asking or seeking. Now, if you've told people about Jesus at the very important beginning, I remember when I uh, first came down here and I worked at Universal, I never even told anyone that, um, that I was a Christian. I was trying to be an example and set an example um, but I hadn't told anyone that I was a Christian. I remember these people came into town um, that were from some organization. They were Christians. And um, they were talking to the people about God. And, and I said something like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I, and I was like a good Christian. Like, I, it wasn't like um, lukewarm or anything. And, and, and one of the people I worked with was like, oh, I didn't even know you're a Christian. And I was like, so offended. I mean, it was my own fault. I'd never said anything. I mean, if people don't know you're a Christian... Anything, anything you say or do doesn't really matter. Sometimes we don't want people to know we're Christian because they're going to be watching what we say or do, right? But if you've told people about Jesus and they will not hear, stop arguing with them. Stop arguing with them. Sometimes we work on our defense, working on how to, how to, how to present this wisdom to them. And it's casting pearls before swine. Their eyes have not been opened. They cannot accept that wisdom. So what do we do? Pray for them. Ask, seek, knock. But don't pray like you usually pray. Pray like you pray for your children, for your friends in dire need, continuously without ceasing. That's the kind of prayer Jesus is telling us to pray. Ask, seek, knock, continuously, continuously. Keep coming, keep coming. People, it's so funny because people are always um, really like negative about thoughts and prayers. Everyone's like, oh, send your thoughts and prayers that way. No one wants thoughts and prayers. Do something. We want action. No more thoughts and prayers. And then Mar Hamlin, if you don't know, he's a Bills player who got hurt and almost died on the field. Now everybody is not just typing, sending, sending thoughts and prayers. People are praying. People are praying on the field. They're surrounding each other praying. They're still praying on the field. They're, everyone's praying. Dan Orlovsky, look it up. Praise on ESPN. And he's like, uh, everyone's saying, let's pray. I'm just going to do it, right? And you can tell he's like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And the guy off screen's like, it is, it is, it is, it is. Like, do it, do it, do it, do it. And they sit down and they pray. And everyone, everyone is all about some thoughts and prayers. And everyone is praying without ceasing. 
Everyone's praying without ceasing. Their thoughts, their concerns are for this young man, and they are praying without ceasing because it is important. So why as Christians can we not do that on a regular basis? Why does it take some emergency? If regular people, because these are regular people who don't necessarily even know God or don't know him well, feel the pull when something happens to pray without ceasing, we as Christians who know him should always feel the pull to pray without ceasing. Stop talking and pointing out holiness to people and begin to pray that holiness will be revealed. Begin to pray that God will reveal himself to the world. Stop pointing fingers saying you shouldn't be dressed like that and say, Lord, pray over that person that they can have a heart change. Lord, pray over, Lord, help me have a heart change that I can deal with this person with mercy and compassion. Teach me your ways. How did you do it, Jesus? Because you reached out to these people specifically and you made a difference. You, When you spoke, it changed their lives. When you touched them, it changed their lives. Show me how to do this. What am I doing wrong? Help me to speak life into these people and not death. Pray without ceasing. Ask, seek, knock continuously, continuously. That's what Jesus is saying. Ask, seek, knock. Your father loves you. Would, would a father give, if his son asked him for bread, would he, would he give him a snake? Would he give him a stone? If he asked for something good, would a father give their son something bad? I am your father. Ask me. Ask me. I think there's a reason these things are tied together, that all of these things are tied together. Because our number one concern, and we can pray for things that we need, we can pray for finances, we can pray for these, but when our, when our hearts begin to pray without ceasing, we are praying for people. We are praying for people who we cannot reach. We are praying for God to move in their lives. And, and Jesus is saying, ask, ask me, seek my face, knock on that door continuously. And see what happens. Will I not answer your prayer? Will I not give you good things? Ask, seek, knock, and ask for ourselves that we can be the perfect witnesses in this world. Because to remove the logs out of others' eyes, we have to first remove, to remove the specks of other people's eyes, we have to first remove the log in ours. And the only way that happens is we can, when we continuously ask him to lead us, seek his face, Seek his heart and his desires and continuously knock on the door. When someone knocks on the door, you open it. You open the door. And Jesus says, won't I open the door? And we need to be in prayer. We need to be praying without ceasing because we need his grace and his love and his heart to reside in us to do the very next thing that he says to do, where he says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. If your witnessing isn't working, stop stop. Stop winning, and I'm not saying not stop talking about Jesus. I'm, I'm saying don't try to teach holiness and behavior patterns. Pray without ceasing and do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Man, I keep wanting, I'm really hot. I'm going to take this off, but then I feel like everyone thinks I'm going to start getting wild and being like, get knocked down. But I'm really hot. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> All right, so do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And, and we've turned this into. Um, don't do something to someone else that you wouldn't want them to do to you. If you don't like that, don't do it to someone else, right? But that's not what Jesus said. That's, a, that's inaction. It's pretty easy to not do anything to someone else that I wouldn't like done to me. This is an action. He says, do unto others. It takes a positive action. He says, go do unto others what you would want done to you. That involves action. It involves reaching out, loving as God first loved us. 
A long time ago, they were having a missions meeting over in Africa and talking about different techniques, uh, this new organization, how do, we, how do we witness and evangelize in Africa? And they asked a villager what they, who was involved in an organization that was already there, and they said, what do you guys, and she was local, and they said, what do you guys do? And she said, we just send some Christians, take note of this, we just send some Christians to live and work in the village, and when people see how they are, they want to become Christians too. And that's what we're doing in America right now. That's why everyone's a Christian. Can you imagine that? Just send some people to live there. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. They're not being quiet. But when they see what they're doing and the way they're living, they want to be like them. And guys, we can pray for revival all day. We can pray for a harvest all day. But there need to be workers in the field. And we need to be seeking his face. And we need to be praying for the world rather than condemning the world. And this is how we do it. We lead with mercy and grace and compassion, loving the lost, leading the people of God in the way they are to go. We have to know the word of God well enough to know when we're being led astray. This is so important. This whole Sermon on the Mount is so important. This word is so important. Here's why. Jesus is laying it all out. And in the end, this is what he says. If you notice with, the, with the, um, all the things that he says at the end, he lays out there's two gates. There are two ways. There are two destinations, two groups of people, two kinds of trees and two kinds of fruit, two groups at the judgment, two kinds of builders, building two kinds of foundations. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. There is no in-between. It is the narrow gate or the wide gate, the narrow road or the wide road. It's bad tree or good tree. There's two destinations. It's heaven or hell. There are followers and there are people who are not followers. Christian means follower. We cannot say that we're going to follow him and then we can't say, yes, I'm a follower. I'm a, I've accepted Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. If someone was up here and I was like, I am going to follow you all the days of my life, lead on. And we walk off, right? That's not following. That's not following. We, we get this title of Christian and don't follow Jesus. And so what have we done when we put that label on ourselves and we say, I am a Christian and I'm not following Jesus. And then people look to me, people at your work who aren't Christian are looking to you, whether you think it or not. And you, by your behavior, by your actions, by your love, or your lack of mercy and grace and compassion are either leading them to Jesus or astray. This is important. This is the call of our lives, and Jesus lays it out that it is. And I don't know how we've become so confused into believing that it's not. We can't take our own path. We have to follow wherever he leads. A true follower builds his foundation upon the words of Jesus. He hears the word and puts it in action. He who hears the word and does not do them is like one who builds his house upon the sand. I think it's pretty easy for us to look around and see what happens when your house is built upon the sand. When troubles come, what happens? And remember, Jesus is speaking 
to the, to the people of God. When Jesus is speaking in his sermon, there are Gentiles there, but he's speaking to the people of God. And he is still speaking to us. He is still speaking to us. This word is alive. This isn't a message for people so long ago. So often we, we look at this, we think this is the message for, long, for so long ago. Jesus was giving us an outline for how to live. And as a Christian, this is my outline and this is how I live. And I, I, man, this book is so important. And like I follow God and I pray and I, and I hold to his precepts. But do we know him? Do we know him? Do we desire him? Are we desperate for him? Do we desire holiness? Are we getting in the word for ourselves? Do we want to know the deeper truths? Do we want to know more of him? Because he continues in his word and in our lives. He continues to warn us. He continues to draw us in. He continues to call us to the same standard. It hasn't changed. And as the church, and you are the church, you are the temple of the living God. This isn't just about a building or when we gather. You are the church. If We have to get this right. We have to get this log out of our eye to take the specks out of others. This is the reason witnessing is not working in America because we're not doing it right. We're not on our knees. We're not loving. We're pointing fingers. We're pointing fingers and that's all we're doing. As a church, we need to learn how to ask and seek and knock. And to ask and seek and knock for people, we need to know how to love people as Jesus loves. Stop trying to teach holiness to people who don't understand. Stop getting upset with people who are not holy, who do not understand. They are lost. They are the lost. And we, as the workers in the field, are to go out and find them. And the only way to get them to follow us in is through love. Okay, when our cat gets lost and they go out and, and, and she goes out and she's up in a tree crying and I come out, she's not coming out of that tree. Because I'm like, stupid cat up in that tree again. How do you even get up there? You're such a moron. What are you doing? Right? Daisy comes out and is like, and I'm not saying I witnessed like that. Don't take the analogy the wrong way. And Daisy goes out and she's like, hey, oh baby, oh my little baby, what happened to you up in that tree? And she doesn't talk like an idiot, but I'm so sorry. And the cat's like, oh, oh, no, it was the worst thing. Oh, I ran up and then I looked and I was like, where am I? You know, but that love called, called calls the cat out of the tree. And honestly, we witness too much like me. We're impatient, unkind. And I just want to see, I just want to see people saved. Don't want to see people saved? Don't want to see prayers answered? Don't want to see lives changed? This is how we do it. This is how we do it. We've got to handle, we've got to handle our lives. We have to seek him day in and day out and pursue holiness and show people the way and be patient and filled with mercy and filled with compassion and going out and doing unto others as we would want done to us, doing a positive action, not sitting still and waiting for them to come to us. Go out and do. Lord, I just pray, I just pray that you would change your church, Lord. I just pray that you would change all of us, that you would make us into people who delight in your law as David delighted in your law. Lord, I just pray that you would give us hearts filled with mercy and compassion, Lord, that we would see the lost, Lord, that we would see them as you see them. And I just pray that you would give us a passion for prayer. It all starts there. It all starts there, Lord. 
and your church, our prayer lives sometimes, Lord, are just really manufactured. And it's not real relationship. I just pray that you would change us, Lord. Call us to you. Draw us in, Lord, as you always do, Lord. You continually call. You continually draw us in. I just pray that we would hear and that we would come and that we would seek. We'd have the courage to ask, Lord, and the courage to continuously knock and knock and knock, Lord, and just pray without ceasing. Give us the, the love to reach out to the lost, Lord, and give us the same mercy and grace and compassion that you've shown us. Remind us of your mercy and grace and compassion, Lord, and your love that is never ceasing, that we might go out and love with that same love that is never ceasing, Lord. I just pray that you would use us and use us mightily to bring about revival, Lord. Use us mightily to change, to ch to change the world around us, Lord, by showing, pointing them to the one who's holy, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, Lord, and just help us to go out and show the same love you've shown us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about The Well and other resources to help you study the Bible, go to thewellministry.co.